In the NBA spotlight, the tale unfolds. A coach dismissed while stars and stories are told. All-star festivities, a dazzling display. Ratings soaring high under the night's bright array. Man versus woman, three-pointers ignite. The hardwood buzzes with the highlights of the night. Everybody, this is William Del Pilar. This is Points on the Board. And I am here with my co-host, Eli Aparicio, who disappeared last week at the time where we're going to recap the Super Bowl, where his Niners got whacked. <laughs> I'm whacked. Jesse. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I'm half Jesse. I was bitter. I was bitter because uh, that game went any exactly as most prognosticators predicted. And it irks me to hear them say, oh, it's Patrick Mahomes. At the end of the quarter, at the fourth quarter, he's going to take over and win the game. And 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 I hated that because it came true, but not without help. What is your take, Absolutely. one, on the loss? Uh, give me your top three reasons why they lost, and then just go right into Steve Wilkes is firing. And I'm gonna, obviously, I'm going to give you my two cents for it, but let's hear from you first, brother. So I got to tell you, I, I thought the Niner, Niners were manhandling the Chiefs in the first half. I, it was pretty evident that they were moving the ball at will. Uh, what what um, unfortunately happened is I think that some of their momentum was deflated after that McCaffrey you know, fumble on the first drive. That definitely made him go, oh, crap, we're in a game because – you know, they they had it. I mean, they were moving the ball at will. Even after that, they were moving the ball at will. And then, you know, something that concerned me, uh, the weeks coming up to the, the playoffs, and, and actually it revealed itself a lot in the playoffs, there's two things. One, the defense was not playing as well as they should have. That team is stacked from a personnel standpoint. I mean, they have all pros all over the place from both sides of the ball, both offensive defense. But for some reason, that defense wasn't playing up to the level that it should have. And they had superstar caliber players on the front seven. And for whatever reason, they were being exposed by the Packers as well as the Lions on the running game. And I, I thought – Oh, the oh, Ravens. Guys, Pacheco was Don't forget the Ravens this season. Yeah, that, that too. But I'm like, oh, my God, Isaiah Pacheco is going to go off, right? And, and, you know, one of my predictions of the game was going to be a low-score game, which I was right. Correct. And I thought it was going to be a very – run heavy kind of offense on both sides. You know, both teams were going to run the ball uh, pretty effectively. And the Niners definitely did. But what happened, in my opinion, is that, you know, Kyle Shanahan with his play calling, I was getting so frustrated during that game that he was not taking advantage of having the best offensive weapon in the entire game. I would say McCaffrey was probably the better player overall in the entire right. Super Bowl over even Patrick Mahomes. But the thing is, is that his play calling, he was moving away a lot from it, kind of like weird, puzzling play calling, like doing a bunch of like passes in a row. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? Run the ball. You have this freaking beast of a player in McCaffrey and you're not utilizing him in the right way. And it was just pissing me off. So you asked me for my top two or three reasons. Number one, their defense was really suspect, although I think they played a very good Super Bowl until the fourth quarter. And then two, the play called by Kyle Shannon was just maddening to me. So those are the two reasons why I think they lost. Right, and, and, and I agree. But I'll tell you why his play calling is like that and nobody ever questions it, because they're not allowed to question him. 
Nobody goes up to him, challenges him, boss, what are you doing? That. that goes all the way back to uh, 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 his, his offensive coordinator days in Atlanta. I'm speculating here, but I work off of human nature. I serve. I have served with hundreds of men. I have worked with dozens of men uh, above me. You quickly learn to identify personality traits because you don't want to get stabbed in the back by somebody in the military, which happens a lot. And you want to understand where your boss is coming from. You have to know the nuances in the military. It's uh, any job in reality to, to, to uh, uh, survive. But in the military, you work with so many different people, so many personalities. I learned to recognize certain traits which manager slash leader in the division or the department or on the command itself you could go up to, give your frame of mind, give your peace of mind. And you also knew those who you couldn't say anything to. And I suspect Kyle Shanahan's play calling, he's that type of person, leave him alone. He's calling play, yeah, he doesn't want to be bothered with that. And somebody needs to get in his face. Uh, the other thing, Eddie, they don't have leadership on that team. The Chiefs did. In the, in the fourth quarter and, and overtime, I mean, their leader stepped up. We got to get this done. We, Eddie, my issue with leadership, again, is my military upbringing, partly the third world of bringing people in the third world or people without anything. They want hope. You know, that comes right. with leadership. Uh, uh, people in the military, they want somebody they'll go to war for. I will not go to war for Kyle Shanahan. I will go to war for Dan Campbell. As much as I poo-poo Dan Campbell, I know Dan Campbell would have my back. Kyle Shanahan doesn't have that type of leadership ability in my eyes. Now, that said to the audience, Eddie and I are on the outside looking in. They may have leaders there, but if they did, they failed. But that team looks like a robot, meaning meaning emotionally they don't go up, they don't go down, they're just there. So when they start to get dominated, they don't have the oomph, the rise above that. Now, they did in the playoffs, but that's because their whole careers and lives were on the line. They had no choice. But they barely did it against the Lions, and the Packers should not have even been on the same field as the Niners when you switch the talent. However, the greatest travesty is Steve Wilkes, and his firing was deserved, but that was based off of Steve Wilkes' play calling, his style, etc. But he should never have been hired. He was somebody from the outside who did not fit, and, and he took the job because he wants to be a head coach. And uh, Robert Saleh, is it Saleh or Saleh? Robert Saleh. Paula, Robert Paula. Sala, Robert Sala, and uh, oh my God, and Demico Ryan. But those two fit that defense, and I think Steve Wilkes did not have respect for the players. When I say respect for the players, what I just said would they go to war for him or not? And this is why I don't care what kind of attitude you're in. First, I mean, what kind of mood you're in, how angry you're in. Uh, I don't care about any of that. One thing I also learned in the military. You keep your drama in house. Right. Nick Bosa should never have said, "Yeah, we didn't. We didn't even know how to read the read option there. We had to practice that or anything." He threw his boss, Steve Wilkes, under the bus. But to me, that just told me they didn't have. Uh, uh, they did. They, they didn't have any. It, it's not that they disliked him. It's he wasn't their guy. You know. Now, John brought up a phenomenal point. You're a diehard Niners fan. You know that team inside and out. He goes, "Who's number 48?" I go, oh no, he goes. That's a guy who replaced uh, uh, Greenlaw, and that's the guy that that's the guy that uh, Kansas City started going after. Uh, but my now, now, that was a massive point. But I thought the best point of the night was uh, done on Super Bowl night by Tony Romo when he w- was in that cover zero. Everybody knew they were going to blitz. 
You know, and you cannot tip off Patrick Mahomes. You just yeah. can't. You know, yeah. and uh, Kyle Shanahan caught a timeout. It wasn't the first time he had. He felt forced to call a timeout, Eddie, I believe, because of the Minnesota Vikings game. When right before the half, he called, dialed up the same play, and they burned him for a touchdown. And the North Niners went on to lose that game. So I think that. But at the end of the day, what pisses me off is Patrick Mahomes. Not it doesn't piss me off. It just aggravates me as a student of the game. Patrick Mahomes is no different. Andy Reid did not do a great game. He deserves all the accolades he has as a coach's career. But I'm sorry. Andy Reid reminds me this year of Dan Reeves. And John Elway talked about this because he, he did not like Dan Reeves. They, they, they had a, a, a tempestuous relationship. He goes, I get tired of Dan Reeves in, his play, in the play calling. He's all super conservative, super conservative. And then in the fourth quarter, he tells me I got to win it. Go scramble. Go do what you do best. Go do this. He goes, and all he's doing is setting me up for injury. I'm paraphrasing a lot, but that's kind of what John Elway didn't like. And that's what I see. That's what I see out of Andy Reid this year. That's why I knew the fourth quarter would be. I didn't care about the three quarters. I cared how they were going to handle uh, Patrick Mahomes once uh, 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 Andy Reid just cut him loose, let him use his legs, let him do this. Am I looking at it completely wrong? uh, 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 Or do you think uh, there's some truth to that in what I've said? You know, just the more and more I think about this game, I, I get frustrated. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Man. I mean, they, 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 they had them. I mean, this would have been a storybook ending for this Brock Purdy kid, you know, being Mr. Irrelevant, coming to his first Super Bowl after having an injury that, you know, essentially he missed, you know. That's right. Time, right. You know, from last year's game against Philadelphia, you know, he, 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 uh, he tore his ulnar, uh, Whatever that uh, ulnar ligament or whatever it is that, yeah. that on his on his throwing arm and he couldn't. That's throw. a major tendon that is career ending for in, in 20, 30 years yeah. ago. And the thing is, is that he came back, took Mahomes. You know, uh, you know, he had to come back from behind. Mahomes had to come back from behind because they were losing. And of course, you know, you can question the whole decision that Kyle Shanahan, you know, should have, you know, actually, you know, kicked off to to you know should have, uh, you know, had the uh, Kansas City receive the ball rather than the Niners, but I understand why the call was made. But, right. you know, Brock, oh, Purdy I don't. <laughs> Brock Purdy and the Niners had the Chiefs on the ropes, but they just, man, they just they, they just fell apart from play calling. I think the players you gotta themselves admit, You got to say the word, Eddie. Eddie, you got to say the word. They what? I'm not going to say joke. Yeah, they I'm not going to say joke. They no, choked. They, 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 they By just, definition, they choked. They had you just said it. They had it. They had him on the road. They had it. And man, they had it. It was their game, man. And you know, I, I told you, you know, if it was any other team besides the Kansas City Chiefs, I'd be even more pissed. Way more right. pissed. But Kansas City is my second favorite team since the 80s. You know, I'm even look, you know, this is showing it. I, I am a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I am wearing it, even though even though the Niners are my number one team, I'm still going to wear the, the the Chiefs for the next few weeks, uh, just to show that I am really a, a Chiefs fan as well. But man, that one that 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 game hurt only because they had it and they just I don't want to say choked. I think they just got outclassed at the very why don't end you say by choked? better by a better by a better offensive minded coach in play in play calling abilities in my opinion, Andy Reid, and then a better quarterback at this time than Brock Purdy is Patrick Mahomes. I think Brock Purdy proved the naysayers wrong in this Super Bowl. 
he actually played a very good Super Bowl. Yeah, did he miss some throws? Yeah, they all missed throws, right? But I thought he had a very good Super Bowl for considering this is his first full season as a starter. So I think he's done much better than Lamar Jackson, you know, and and which brings me up to my final point before we go to the basketball portion. Uh, My final point is in terms of Brock Purdy, you're right. He put that team on its back in the first two playoff games. He didn't get the opportunity uh, uh, in in the Super Bowl because he didn't have the ball last. Uh, And I was I watched inside the NFL for the first time since uh, I was a kid from beginning to end. And when, uh, for, uh, for you old timers, you'll smile when you hear this. When I started watching Inside the NFL as a child, it was Nick Bonaconti and Len Dawson. Nick Bonaconti, the all-pro tackle with the Miami Dolphins, Hall of Famer yeah. on the undefeated team, Super Bowl team. Len Dawson, Super Bowl three MVP, I believe. Don't call me, but Super Bowl winner with the Chiefs. And uh, that's when it was a classy show. Now it's gone to hell, you know. You got. I just. I'm. Not, you know. I'm like. I just. I don't care for the flavor of it. Then when I say flavor, I mean the younger style, the way they talk. Not not culturally, but I'm just like. I just like that dignified approach that Len Dawson and Nick Bonaconti brought to the table. And that's not how I like my sports shows. It was just that one show. It was. You know why? Because that was the show where I learned the voice of John Facenda. And I'll never forget the Oakland Raiders. They came yeah. out with the, with the, uh, throwing with the with the, with the lightning of Zeus. I mean, he would just have the same, and that's what kind of made it the opera, the dignified show. So I watched it for the first time, and they were whining, and they were properly whining. They were properly whining how the Raiders did not run the ball enough to help Lamar Jackson. You know, and then they were. That's how they whined for two minutes. And it, you know what they were saying? And this is what they were saying. Lamar Jackson can't carry his team. They're saying they lost because he, you know, they didn't win the running game. But yet they won't give Purdy that credit either. You know, they made excuses for Lamar. This is Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark is very tribal, meaning he's very racist at times, plays a race card, and that's what he's done with Brock Purdy, which I find offensive and racist. Uh, but yet he gives Lamar a pass. Lamar's going to be a great quarterback. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. What I irked me is they give Lamar Jackson a pass. And they dump on Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy may not be the player Lamar is talent-wise, but neither was Joe Montana. I mean, who's a better athlete, Lamar Jackson or Joe Montana? You know, right. Lamar Jackson. Obvious. Who do you want on your team? You want Joe Montana, you know, or yeah, or Tom Brady, vice versa. So you want right. the better quarterback. The 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 tale is still to be told on Brock Purdy because he's only year two, and despite being in what year six or seven, uh, uh, Lamar is beginning to show the development of an actual quarterback and people. Look, sometimes it takes a while. Look at Vinny Tessaverde, Heisman Trophy winner, NFL bust. After six, seven, eight years, turned his career around and became an NFL starter. Had a 20 year career. Look at Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon is another one. And that's how I see Lamar Jackson. Right. Yeah, and that's for, how I see Lamar Jackson. Vikings. And he became a Super Bowl winning champ, uh, a quarterback. So That's yeah. right. Oh! Oh, uh, oh my God, the great Philadelphia, uh, uh, well, he, I wouldn't consider him a great Philadelphia quarterback, but he changed the game for the Eagles, uh, Tom, Randall Cunningham. Wasn't he the quarterback when the Vikings went to the, yes. went to the championship game? Yeah. See, so these players can't, I, I'm not dogging on Lamar Jackson. I'm dogging on those analysts and the racist analysts I call Ryan Clark because you're willing to crap on a guy just because he's white. And make excuses with a guy because he's black. Where I see two great up and coming quarterbacks, 
Come fantasy day next year, do you think I'm going to sit there? I don't want Lamar Jackson because he can't win the ball. Give me that butt. Give me those legs. Give me those CDs. He's going to be a – the Ravens and the Lions are going to be scarier next year than I think the 49ers are at their best. Why? Because the Ravens and the Lions, Eddie, have a killer instinct. And I'm sorry. I love the Niners. I root for them. But I don't see that out of them. You know, I don't see that killer instinct out of them. And I think that's a product of their head coach. They need they need to bring in a Ray Lewis in there. They need to bring in a Travis Kelsey type. That type of personality. I mean, Ray Lewis and Travis Kelsey are completely different, but they get in your face. They instill the passion. They make you want to go to war with them. And that's well, what I, I think. Was, that I, I, would argue, like. I would argue Fred Warner's that way. For sure. Oh, um, I, I would say Greenlaw's that way too. But Fred, there's a Fred difference. Greenlaw's more by example. Fred Warner's yeah, more true. vocal. Green, yeah. Greenlaw's more, I'm going to hit you and knock you on your ass type of player. He leads by example, whereas Greenlaw leads by his voice. Uh, uh, I mean, well, Warner. Leads, well, they need more of that. By his voice. So they, they need I, I would that. say that the, 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 the Niners are still going to be a, a team to watch out for. They're built to win now. The only oh, thing I agree. Know is Williams is going to. If, if Trent Williams is going to play another year, and then you know they have these contracts going to be. I mean, Brock Purdy has one more year before he's going to have to re-sign for more than whatever, and less than a million dollars is going to make next year. So they're built to win now, and hopefully this they don't get this hangover. No team I think has ever come back from losing two of the last four Super or three or four Super Bowls and come back and win the following year, which is what the Niners are going to face if they win it next year. Uh, I think they're, it's going to be between them and the Lions. They're, they're both built to win now. Uh, Green Bay's up and coming. You can't ignore that. I mean, that team came out and showed pretty well. So, Oh, you're right. You're right. Hey, yeah. Any given Sunday is what I'm saying. But the, the, the Lions are maturing to next year is the beginning of here's our window. The Niners are coming to the end of their window because of salary cap, age, and wear and tear. Yeah. Here's, what, here's what people forget. For sure. The Niners now have, what, three, four, five seasons of playoff play. That's an extra month of an NFL season. Over four years, right. that's four extra months. You know, the, the Niners are becoming the the lesser version, the, we, the stepchild the sister Exactly, exactly. And trust me, I'm a big, you know, I'm rooting for Brock Purdy. And no, you tribalistic fools, not because he's white, but because I'm a small guy. I had never achieved anything where, damn, William's going to get that done. It's always been, damn, that was William. You know, I overachieved. So when I see the last William. (laughs) Exactly. So when I see Brock Purdy doing what he did, I start rooting for him. That's why I was a big Steve Young fan, because who can come out of Joe Montana's shadow where Steve Young did? Well, most other quarterbacks fail. Yeah, see, so that's why, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I'm rooting for Lamar because everybody said, oh, he's only a running quarterback. He's only a running quarterback. But he's a God-fearing human being. And God-fearing human beings have good minds, good souls, and good hearts. And I knew as long as he wasn't uh, – his, I, as long as his agent wasn't Don King, he could do well. <laughs> yeah. Don I would say controversial promoter. just to support your, 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 your Steve Young take there. You know, for years, you know, I, I'm I'm a big time diehard Niner fan. I've I've watched them since Deberg, you know, and then you know, of course. Oh Deberg, yeah, Steve Deberg. Yeah, Steve Deberg was recorded, and I love Steve Deberg. That's the reason why I started following the Kansas City Chiefs because when he left the Niners, yeah, I think he went to Denver, then he went to Kansas City. He went to anyway, Denver, then Kansas City. Wasn't it Kansas Joe City. Montana? Did Joe yeah, Montana then replace Joe him? Montana after that, yeah. then Steve Bono, then uh, Elvis Gerback, then Alex Smith. That's the reason why I like the Chiefs. Anyway. But for years, when the Niners had Steve Young, 
I always thought that Steve Young could have been the better quarterback longer term than Joe Montana. And that's a controversial thing to say here in 49er no, land just because not at Joe all. Montana was a great freaking quarterback. But yeah. I thought Steve Young was freaking awesome because he had the ability to run and he could throw just as accurately as Joe Montana. And he was just a sturdier guy. I mean, he, he very rarely got hurt, whereas Joe Montana, he got hurt every freaking other game. Because well, he, well, he did get hurt. He did get hurt, Eddie. He got I hurt mean, a concussions, lot. Yeah, concussions got knocked out. You know, that's that's yeah. why he ended his career yeah. with the concussions. But I'm just saying he wasn't injured as often as, as, as Joe Montana. And I and I and I always told this to all my friends, you know, in the Bay that no, I'm a Niner fan and they're Niner fans. I always said Steve Young would have been a better quarterback and probably had all the accolades if he had gotten the chance to play earlier over Joe Montana. That's my call. No, you're 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 absolutely right. I I, I agree with you 100. He was a better athlete, the better quarterback, the better arm, the more accurate arm. Uh, but Joe Montana was so cerebral. He was like Bernie Kosar, like Tom Brady. Though they're they're not natural cool. athletes, but their mind yeah. is able to process and absolutely. read so quickly and hit He's their guys. And, and, and that's right. But yeah, Steve Young, he just started. Steve Young, people don't realize the reason concussions ended his career uh, is because he. he he was running for his life in the USFL. People don't realize yeah. the USFL, the Los Angeles Express, uh, they yes. were hurting so much financially, they couldn't afford a running back, a, a quality running back. So Steve Young goes, I'll volunteer. Yeah, that's how bad off yeah, that exactly. he was. And then he went to Tampa Bay, which was Tampa the terrible Bay. team. And then yep. he went to, the, by, you know, by then he, would, he wasn't beat up, but he was no longer young. And in fact, right. people don't remember, they forget, Steve Young was pretty much saying either, give me a chance to start, or, 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 or trade me or, or cut me or, or, or I, I want to go somewhere now to play. And that's why that started the domino effect of Joe Montana's end there. Joe Montana did not like Steve Young because he was he knew Steve Young was better. He knew it was only a matter of time. And that's a in fact, but give Montana credit. He went to Kansas City, took him to the championship game, couldn't get over the huff, but still he turned Kansas City into somebody for a couple of years, you know, before the homes came along. You know, All right, brother. Let's let uh, good talk on the Niners. Wow, that took about 15 minutes, 18 minutes of talk. That was supposed to be a couple of minutes. Woo! Let's get into what this show is actually about today. It's a, it's a, it, it was originally going to be an all-NBA show, but it still is in a way. We're going to talk about the NBA head coaches. Uh, three head coaches have been fired so far in the season. Is that correct? Is it three or four? Three, right, Eddie? Yeah, yeah. Adrian Three Griffin, head coaches have been fired. And we had... And we had the NBA All-Star Weekend, and, and Mr. Eddie Aparicio, the Matador de El Salvador, saw it all. And I want to get his take specifically. Uh, I don't want us to forget that. I want to get your take on the three-point, not the contest, but the one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, between yes. uh, uh, the girl and, and Kerr. That's terrible. I said the girl because I can't remember her name. She's a Sabrina Ionescu. So Sabrina Ionescu. Yep. Yeah, somebody's gonna jump at me when I for me say she's inconsequential. She's inconsequential because she's not an NBA player. She's a woman, so I don't. I mean, she plays. She's a female in basketball, so I don't care. I don't watch the NBA. I don't watch college ball. Yeah, so that's why I say she's inconsequential, not because she's a woman. All right, let's get right into it. You know, I love talking about the Brooklyn Nets because I love laughing at Ben Simmons. Uh, uh, you know, I, I love laughing at their drama. I love how they let Harden play them. I love how they let Ben Simmons play them. I love how stupid their owner is. How can a billionaire become a billionaire yet run a team as inept as that man does? Uh, so I'm not a 
Brooklyn Nets fan, but I enjoy watching their drama. And they just fired, how do you say, Jacques Vaughn. Jacques, Jacques Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn. <laughs> Give me your take. Okay, uh, some notes uh, uh, before I get your take. Look, so uh, the, the team's last game before the All-Star break was a 50-point loss to the Celtics. And uh, when you lose that big and you're not doing well, that may be the impetus to get you fired. But there are reports that players had some players had lost confidence in him. Uh, but he'd been with the Nets since 2016. He was 64-65, so he can't be all that bad of a coach. But the Nets are in 11th place in the Eastern Conference with a 21-33 record. Uh, he was replaced by assistant Kevin Ollie. So question number one. Is this a legitimate firing, or should the Nets have given him more time? You know, I don't know what the Nets were expecting, honestly, man. I mean, because you know, how do you how do you expect a team to be better when you lose, you know, a Harden, you lose a Kyrie Irving, you lose a Kevin Durant, you know, you uh, lose, you know, a, a, a Ben Simmons, you know, it, it just well, actually, Ben Simmons on the team because he's actually been hurt, but that's what I meant, right? He's 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 been hurt. Was he born hurt? Was he born with yeah, a bad yeah, yeah. back? But, but, but what I'm saying is that you know, you then you brought Mikhail Bridges, you've got Cameron Johnson, you got Nick Claxton, you had Spencer Dinwiddie, who's no longer with them anymore. Now you, you lose him too. Now he's with the the, the 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 Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, what can you expect for having a, a team that had three? top-heavy, superstar, talented guys, and then you you strip that away. And what I think would happen is that there was a period of time, like in December, when, you know, the Nets were playing out of their minds. They had this kind of positionless basketball where everybody was like-sized. You know, they're, they're, they're all kind of like wing defenders, you know, kind of uh, positionless basketball where, you know, you know all everybody can guard everybody kind of type players. They, they were kind of like that, and they were surprising a lot of teams playing that well without that much talent on their team. So I think, you know, for whatever reason, that owner thought, hey, man, we're maybe better than we, we really are. You know, we, sh you know, and, and Jacques Vaughn had that team playing pretty well. And then all of a sudden it just kind of went to crap. And, you know, but I think what happened is that people started figuring out how to play against them. They figured them out. And they, I think Jacques Vaughn probably just didn't make the right adjustments. He doesn't have the talent to be a contender. So I, like I said, I don't understand why he was fired when the team actually was playing pretty well, unless there were some other things behind the scenes that we don't know about where he's lost some, some of the team, like was, uh, you know, alluded to in some of the articles that I read that he was losing, you know, some players. So that's probably the, the main impetus for why this happened. But as far as the team playing, they were playing pretty damn well for a period of time. It's just that they don't have as much talent as other teams, so you can't expect much. So I don't understand why this was done, in my opinion. You, you know, Eddie, you're right in the sense that I was at a loss. I'm not the big basketball aficionado that you are, but I follow sports well enough to, and 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 we started covering sports uh, last season. So I was well aware of the Brooklyn Nets, and it boggled my mind reading articles uh, alluding to what you just said, that, that they can still compete. They can still go beat you. You know, they thought, it's like, you just gutted your team, and you yeah. still think you can compete this year? No. No, you can't, yeah. but... You know, I'm, you know, I was, but at the end of the day, in defense of these coaches who get fired in bad situations, there's only an X amount of jobs. So when he was offered that job, he probably jumped on it. You know, now Kevin Ollie is his uh, the interim coach. Any, you know anything about him? I just know him as a as a former player, but I don't know anything about his style as a coach. I mean, you know, he's been on the team. 
We'll see what, what he can do. I mean, the bottom line is that the Nets aren't a contending team. They're in rebuild stage. They are in total rebuild stage after what they lost, right? So they right. shouldn't expect much. But I think, like I said, I think some other behind-the-scenes kind of things were happening. That's why I think the team, you know, decided to go ahead and, you know, get rid of Jacques Vaughn and bring up somebody else to kind of, you know, stabilize the locker room and then kind of, you know, try and rebuild from there. But, uh, you know, this was not a move made because they expected the team to be better than they were. It had to do with something, other things that, you know, we just are just not apparent to us right now. Here's my problem with the NBA. I think the NBA is the worst league out of all of them is the inmates run the asylum. And over in Brooklyn, man, those players seem to have a lot of say there in being able to, uh, uh, when they complain or they say something, you know, they, there's nobody in that organization go, you're, you're a player, we're paying you. Shut up and sit down. And I, that you don't do that every time because sometimes there's legitimate issues, but sometimes you got to just do that. Some, we're paying you $150 million to shoot the ball, not to come here and whine. So go shoot the ball. But the NBA lost control of its players uh, decades ago. And it's a reason I think their ratings are, 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 aren't nowhere near, say, football. Uh, we don't gravitate towards that. We like we want to like our players. And a lot of players have come across unlikable. And uh, it's true. when you sit there and see several players that reportedly lost confidence in Vaughn, is, is it what they were pissed off because they weren't getting their playing time? They're pissed off because he didn't do this. And that. It's like, you know, I question that. You know, I just think the Brooklyn Nets are a terrible, terribly run organization the last few years. You know, and, and when the inmates run the asylum, that does nothing but just make it a worse organization. So I have no respect for that organization as it stands now. And I, and I do feel bad for, for Javon. <laughs> but that said, I know, I know, I know. But that said, so what I'm understanding from you is uh, uh, you explain why it happened. Uh, you don't think it was the right call because that team just is not where it thinks it's at. Right. Uh, and the final question is, can the Nets come back from all this? Uh, I, I would say no. As long as they have that owner who's wishy-washy and they don't have a strong general manager that can bring in a head coach. They need a head coach with the rings there, Eddie. But I don't think they have the players anymore to woo a, a head coach who's, who's won championships, you know? It's just another team now. But that's what I think they need. But in your opinion, can they come back from that this year, become competitive and make a playoff run? No. No. They're, they're a team that is filled with a bunch of really good role players that would make a lot of other teams that are competing very good. That's what they're, right. they're, they're that's what they're comprised of. Um, they would be a good team for a lot of contending teams to trade with because they have pretty good talent from a non-superstar uh, standpoint, but more from a glue, you know, uh, role player standpoint. That right. I think that's the, they're, they're an accumulation of a lot of these type of players all in one team, and they're just not built to win. They're in rebuild, and you know they're they're acquiring draft picks and they're trying to build for the future. They're not going to recover this year. There's no way. Uh, maybe gotcha. three years, possibly three years is a lifetime in the NBA. That's, that's about to say that's a lifetime in the NBA. But your point is made. Now we we talked about uh, uh, briefly off and on, but just. Give me your take here real quick. I, I love doing things in groups. And uh, there's been a couple of other firings this year. Uh, uh, my three questions. Uh, Adrian Griffin, uh, was it the right right call to fire him from the Milwaukee Bucks oh, earlier in the year? Uh, you know, I got to tell you that 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 was, to me, what I see happening is that 
ownership is regretting getting rid of Mike Budenholzer. That's what I see happening. They got rid of Mike Budenholzer because, you know, the, the Milwaukee Bucks had won a championship and then they came back and didn't come, you know, win, uh, didn't, I don't think they made the finals. Uh, and then, then the last year, you know, they got asked in the playoffs as well. And that's when they got fired. Then they brought Adrian Griffin in here. Adrian Griffin had a winning record when he got fired. And the only reason why he got fired mainly is because their defense, which is what the Milwaukee Bucks hung the hat on, is their defense was, you know, usually in the top five or six net rating in the NBA. And they fell to like, you know, in the 20s. So that from an analytics standpoint, they weren't they weren't showing as good of a team as they had in the past, even though their record were saying otherwise. They were just winning differently. They brought in a Damian Lillard, you know, who is a scorer. They didn't ever really had that kind of a scoring talent at the guard position. They had Chris Middleton, who, you know, is not necessarily a superstar talent. He's a great player, but he's not like a superstar talent like Damian Lillard. You have to figure out how to integrate all these players together. The Damian Lillard and, and Giannis Antetokounmpo twosome, is, is, that's deadly, especially on a pick and roll. So, and they were showing that early on. But their defense just took a, 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 a backseat. I mean, Damian Lillard never was a really good defensive player. He's an offensive, uh, he's an offensive player. So you know, then they fire him and they bring in Doc Rivers, and then Doc Rivers comes in, and they haven't been winning either with Doc Rivers. You know, there's an adjustment period. They're they're trying to figure out what they have. They're still a playoff, you know, potentially title contending team. I just think that all of these moves show a lot of desperation by the ownership. And in my opinion, like I said, I think this shows that they're regretting the firing of Mike Budenholzer. I agree. I agree. Uh, and, and, and in essence, you're saying Doc Rivers is not the answer. It goes back to, 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 to the original, to their championship coach being fired. All right. Now, Wes Unsell Jr., uh, I, I believe he resigned from the Washington Wizards. Was that this That was this year. Yeah, earlier this year. Well, correct? Yeah. correct. Yes, and he was correct. replaced by Brian Key. So was Wes Unsell uh, uh, legit? Should he have uh, gone to the wayside? Uh, with that team, or you know, they have some talent, but they're very similar to the Brooklyn Nets. They have, you know, a Kyle Kuzma, who was, you know, probably considered the best player. Then they traded for uh, Jordan Poole, and Jordan Poole came from the Warriors, who's also a pretty talented player, but hasn't really found his footing over in Washington. They have uh, 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 Denny Avdia, very good uh, player from Israel, um, and actually he's been playing pretty well. But outside of those three, they don't really have anybody there that really can, you know, sell tickets. So, I, 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 in my opinion, they're another team that's in rebuild. I think they just had to do something because they had such a horrible record. I think they're like the third or second worst uh, record in the in the NBA. Um, so, I, I think they just had to make this move in order to you know, placate the, the fan base. You know, the fan base was probably getting restless. They made some trades recently. You know, they, they traded away their, their starting center, Daniel Gafford, to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, you know, they're just a team that is in rebuild mode. And, I, you know, I think they just they felt that they had to make this move in order to placate the fan base. That's what I think. Yeah, what about his uh, the interim coach, Brian Keith? Any thoughts on him? Yeah, I don't know much about him, so I really couldn't comment on him. Okay, and those are your three coaches firing. So it sounds for it's like you know the the Milwaukee Bucks that was a premature move. Uh, the uh, 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 Jock firing a Jock Vaughn a Jock Vaughn was uh, I don't want to say premature, but uh, obviously the owners not on the same page with reality in terms of what the Brooklyn Nets are. Uh, so 
We're, we'll keep an eye on all this, Eddie, uh, and, and and see how it all breaks down for the year. I'm really interested to see how the the Bucks do, uh, because uh, you know Lillard went there to go win a championship, you know, and uh, so so we'll see how that goes. Uh, we're not going to talk about it this week, but I did see an article I want to talk to you about down the road. If anything bears fruit, that uh, uh, Golden State, your team, we'll, we'll talk about this next week. May have been trying to trade for LeBron or something to that extent. Yeah, yeah, that was real. Article. Yeah, and, that was real. Uh, and and next week we'll also talk about. Uh, don't let me forget, people, uh, about uh, how Clay Thompson has been benching for this rookie kid who's, who's who most people would assume, yeah, who would assume has come out of nowhere, but really hasn't. He's slowly been building. It's like the team saw these signs. So we'll talk about it next week, but because uh, we don't have time this week. But uh, uh, lots of basketball still still to come, despite the 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 the, the halfway at the, the midpoint we're at. Now that said. Any final comments on on Jock Vaughn getting fired before we move on? No. We're All right, on. brother. Uh, actually, we're not moving on. We're going to stay on head coaches. I do have another set of questions I want to ask you. Uh, some of these coaches, they say they're on the hot seat. Monty Williams and the Detroit Pistons. We talked about him. You said that the owner knows it's a rebuild. It says, but then it's, 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 is he in a situation where – it's like Arthur Smith of the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, he's coming back then, next year. He's coming, but then he just started losing games in horrific ways, and the ownership felt they had no choice but to fire him. Is Monty Williams in a similar situation? He's got to keep showing growth, build. Uh, but if this team starts to look dog, uh, terrible uh, in the second half, where they should be showing signs of at least fundamental improvements, is he on the hot seat? And could he be let go if that team doesn't show improvement in the second half? Uh, you know, I, I I think that he has a long leash and it's primarily because he's got the reputation for being a culture builder. Um, I think that's why he was brought there. I, I think what's, what's kind of happened though, is that, you know, they have the, the Detroit Pistons have some talented players, right? They're not like oozing with a bunch of talented players. But they have some talented players. And I think that, you know, the fan base, you know, is, is getting frustrated by the number of starting lineups that, that Monty Williams has been pushing out there. Um, kind of having short leashes on some, you know, some of their rookie players that have shown out very well. And then having some veteran players who have longer leashes that maybe make dumb mistakes, but he keeps them in there just because he trusts the veterans over the, the rookies. And then you kind of question if if you have a losing record, why are you doing that, right? Are you are you really right. trying to win games if you're doing that? I mean, you should be playing these young guys and let them learn, you know, learn by doing it. You know, let them mess up. It's okay, they're losing, right? You're there to develop the players and can, and change the culture. So I think that's probably why you're seeing the ownership um, for the Detroit Pistons kind of getting a little impatient on the way he's running the team and how he's, you know, uh, uh, uh distributing the playing time you know he, he he's not giving all of the young guys the, at least all of the, the the guys that they've drafted very high namely in asar thompson one of the thompson twins a man thompson is the guy who plays for houston asar thompson is the guy who plays for the detroit pistons and his playing time has been erratic he's been a starter then he's on the bench starter bench you know then you have you know other guys that they traded for like a james wiseman from the from the warriors he barely sees uh -huh. any playing time you know, and, and why are you doing that it, when you got, you know, this guy has got a lot of talent. Yeah, he does make dumb mistakes, but 
freaking everybody makes dumb mistakes. Even freaking Steph Curry makes dumb mistakes. So let them play, right? So Correct. anyway, I think that's part of what's going on is that the ownership, I think, you know, they, they have to sell tickets, right? And maybe the fan base are kind of, you know, rebelling and not going to the games as much. And so they feel like they have to make a call. And, you know, it's possible that Monty Williams is on the hot seat. I mean, he should be on the hot seat, you know, for having a record the way he has. But if he's being brought there to, to change the culture, he should be doing that. But then also playing the guys like they should. I mean, you know, the GM, whoever should be telling him, look, we need these guys to play, play them. You know, I don't care right. about your record. We want you to play these guys. We need to develop these players. When it's not about this year, it's about the next two years. So do your job and just do it. Someone needs to just instill it in him and just do it. So maybe that needs to happen. If he doesn't, maybe he's the type of coach that says, nah, I'm going to run it my way. Screw you. And now they have to make a decision to go ahead and fire him. So he's possibly on the hot seat just because the team is not doing as well as I think they hoped. But there's no way in hell that team's a contending team right now. So let 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 the young guys play and uh, see where it goes. So uh... – what about Darwin Ham of the Los Angeles the Lakers and Jason Kidd of the Dallas Mavericks? Ironically, Jason Kidd is the uh, former uh, head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I was surprised to hear that Jason Kidd was potentially on the hot seat. I, you know, I, I think it's because he's been on this kind of arc before, where he comes in and 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 and, and the team does well. You know, the very first year, like he did at Milwaukee. Um, and then he's come here and done the same thing, you know, for the Dallas Mavericks. And then they kind of don't do so well, you know, at Brooklyn Nets as well. They don't do so well the, the next year and the year after that. And it just doesn't, it's not on the same freaking trajectory, right? It's just, it, right. it kind of just kind of teeters a little bit. And I think that their thinking is, you know, they're on the same path with Dallas. Although Dallas and my, they scare me. This team scares me a lot just because you have a, a, a very healthy now Kyrie Irving who's playing very, very well. He's, he's, he's honestly the best one-on-one player in the NBA right now. And, 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 and nobody can guard him. He, he just puts people on skates. And you know what that means is like when he's dribbling, there's nobody who can stay in front of him. He just makes people look bad. So you have him who can break down the defense. You have Luka Doncic, who's the same kind of player, but he's a bigger version of, of him. And he can plays at his own pace. He doesn't really overwhelm you with his dribbling ability. He just overwhelms you with, you know, being able to do whatever he wants to at any time. You have those two guys who are all-star caliber talented players. And then you have guys surrounded by, you know, they're surrounded by shooters who can, you know, extend the defense. And then now they just drop, uh, they just traded for, you know, uh, a few big guys that are making them even more dangerous. They have PJ Washington and Daniel Gafford, you know, who, who joined them. And this team, in my opinion, is going to be very dangerous. So I don't think Jason Kidd should be on the hot seat, not in, unless with these new acquisitions that they made, this team still doesn't do what it should be doing. And and I would say that if, if, if they stay 500 from here on out, then I'd say yes, uh, potentially he's on the hot seat. But if they're not, if they're more than 500, no way. I, I think he's got more talent than he ever had, has had over at uh, in Dallas. So we shall see, but I don't think he deserves to be on the hot seat. That surprises me. Um, Darvin Ham. So this is another one that was a little perplexing as well, but I understand why. He was getting uh, being rumored to be on the hot seat. It's only because, you know, LeBron James, he runs that team. He runs that organization. Uh, let's face it, right? He's got a big right. voice. He sells tickets. He's probably the biggest, you know, superstar in the NBA planet, you know, and, you know, Curry's on his heels too, like I said before. <laughs> but, you know, Darvin Ham and, and, and LeBron have had some, uh, some, some, um, some issues. And, and it's not really 
clear as to what those issues are, but it's come out even, you know, Darvin had, has had some issues with even with Austin Reeves, who is a player that, you know, LeBron James actually really, really, really likes as well. Um, and, you know, given where they were at last year, they made it to the, to, to the, to the um, Western Conference Finals against the Denver Nuggets. And, you know, of course they lost 4-0, but, you know, with that team that didn't have as much talent as they have today, the expectations were a lot higher. As you remember in my preseason uh, edition of our uh, points on the board, I had predicted that the, 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 the Los Angeles Lakers would be probably a top three team in the, in the West uh, contending for a title just because of all of the moves that they made. They had this depth. That, that, to me, they're one of the deeper teams in the league. So I think that management sees this and they're like, man, we just gave you all this talent. We made all these, you know, a trade deadline moves last year and you guys made it, you know, to the Western Conference Finals and we got you even a better team this year and it's still not going. So what the hell's wrong? So right. it's probably a function of some issues in the locker room, which have become more apparent. And that's probably why he's more on the hot seat and, and the team isn't playing as well as they should be. But, you know, he's he's adjusting. He's got new, a bunch of new players, you know, and we're only, you know, we're what, uh, we have like 30 something games left in the season. He's still yeah. adjusting. So I, I think, he still can say it, salvage his his uh, his chance to stay at, as uh, on, as the Lakers head coach. But you know the time is ticking. You know there, as you saw that there was an hourglass, uh, you know, uh, 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 meme by by LeBron that he posted out, uh, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. That kind of people were wondering, well, what does this mean, right? But you know, time is ticking. He needs to turn his team around and show that they're, you know, that that they are who they everybody thought they are. So there you go. There you go, people. I'm always asking for like a, a minute here or that, but Eddie, you get in depth, and I truly appreciate that. That's what the audience loves, and I'm glad you're able to deliver on that. Some good information. Uh, who do you think should be on the hot seat? Just give me one name off the top of your head. Oh, man. Oh, and man. Kyle Shanahan of the Niners doesn't count. No, you're talking from, from, from the NBA standpoint, Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm just picking uh, up yet. Yeah, let me let me let me let me let me think about that for a second. Hold on, because you caught me off guard. I, I I don't. I, I yeah, it's one of those questions. Thirty-two slots you have to think about right now. You know. Yeah, you know, you know. Um, hmm. Maybe the Toronto Raptors head coach. No, no. I would say. Shoot, I'm looking at the standings right now, and the only team that I would say is probably not playing as good as they should is probably the Phoenix Suns. Right, 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 right. You mentioned that from the uh, 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 from the. Uh, I mean, since the beginning of the season, they haven't been playing well, right? They, they, well, I mean, they're they're only four games above five hundred. They have arguably three of the best, all you know, three of the best scoring uh, trios in the NBA with uh, Durant, Booker. I mean, those two right there are lethal. Then you have uh, Bradley Beal, who's another in that same mold. They're all really good outside shooters can break defenses down from a dribbling standpoint, but they haven't all been playing together at the same time because Bradley Beal had back issues early in the season, but now they've been playing together and, you know, they have a pretty well-rounded roster, but for whatever reason, they're not playing like they should be. And, uh, but they're a team to watch out for. I mean, the second half of the season is going to tell you a lot about how this team is going. I mean, they're built to, to win it, win it all. They're, they're a very balanced team um, and they have good depth. But the thing is, is that they're underperforming. So if you were to kind of put my, you know, name, my, my, my feet to the fire, I'd probably say, you know, the coach of the Phoenix Suns might be on the hot seat. 
There you go, people. All righty. Uh, let's talk NBA All-Star. It's a big hoopla. The NBA has invested millions into promoting this weekend now. It's a big event, and I kind of like it. Even though I, I'm not the NBA fan as you are, I like how the, the NBA and MLB and I think hockey mayor does it as well. It's in the middle of the season, and it just stop everything and make it a big event, you know. Uh, whereas nobody cares about the crap they do for, before the Super Bowl. We're focused on the Super Bowl. We don't care about a damn flag football game at the end of the season. Right. Now, if they right. stop the season, then in the middle of the season, that'd be different. But for football, it's, it's much more difficult. But what fails for football is a potential conquest for the NBA. Now, uh, 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 let me give you an overview. Uh, I guess it was called, there was something called State Farm All-Star Saturday Night. Is, is, yes. It was one, one of the Spotsbury titles. Uh, that night, television ratings drew the most viewers in four years. And the audience peaked with 5.4 million viewers from 10 to 10.15 p.m. Eastern. And that was during what I want to talk about, we're not going to talk about it right just yet, but it peaked at the Steve, uh, Steph, uh, Stephen Curry versus Sabrina three-pointing challenge. What was Sabrina's last name? Ionescu. Ionescu. What is that? Is that Italian or something? Greek or something? I don't something know. Italian? I got to look it up. Ionescu. Ionescu. That's a cool name, though. Ionescu. Yes, get over Get over here, Ionescu. I can have my drill sock in both last names. Please, you got me. Drop, drop. Give me 20. All right. <laughs> Okay, there were a lot of highlights, but the big low light, uh, which I don't understand, but again, I'm not a fan. I, I didn't watch any of this, is that I guess the fans were screaming for the last couple of years, we want a competitive game, a competitive game, you know, and and, and I guess the NBA promised it. We're making it. It's going to be competitive, and it wasn't a competitive game. It was a high-scoring game. Uh, uh uh, don't get into the shooting because I've broken it up here a little bit into sections here. Uh, not that I'm trying to the, 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 the lay this out how I want to talk about it, but there's so much happening here. You know, it's easy to get overwhelmed. So just on the fans wanting it competitive, Eddie, does it really matter regardless of how high the score gets? I mean, the high score didn't have anything to do with the competitiveness. It's just it's one game in the middle of the season that doesn't count for anything. And so, so does it matter if it's competitive or not? But more importantly, would it really change who watches the game or not? I don't think it would. I think they would get the same amount of viewers if it was a competitive game versus a non-competitive game because we don't lock into the All-Star game because it's going to be a competitive, great game that's going to affect our feelings and emotions because we're rooting for our favorite team here and there. None of that matters. It's not NBA Final. Yeah. So am I looking at it wrong? No, I agree. I mean, I mean – Look at look at look at all the other sports. Okay, you got you know the baseball. I remember as a kid growing up, and and even today, I just want to watch these guys play because they played for my team. Especially if a guy, a guy from my team made it to the All Star game, I just want to see how they play. I don't care about who right. wins or loses. I don't really care, man. I just want to see the best of the best play on, on on the biggest stage of that sport. And you know they the that's what I think. You know the NFL. They, you know, unfortunately, the NFL All Star or the, the All Pro thing. I, I never really liked it as a kid. I loved it. You know, as a, as a kid, I think you're more into it, right? Right. As, as you, it's for kids. Yeah, you're a kid. You're like, oh, you 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 gravitate to the players, you know, and 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 you want to see these players play. You don't care about the outcome. You just like watching them play. 
you know, same thing with the NBA. I think it's just a glorified pickup game, honestly. And I think that's the way the NBA should look at it. That's the reason why you're seeing these high scoring uh, uh, outputs is because nobody wants to guard anybody. They just, they just let them go ahead and showcase their talents in front of the entire world and let them shoot the three from 40 feet. Uh, do a 360 dunk, you know, in front, of, you know, with no defense, whatever it is, well, you know, that's what, that's what people want to see. They don't, they don't care about a competitive, you know, uh, a game. That's more of the NBA uh, brass wanting it for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because, you know, maybe they're taking a a, a sample of a, a, some people who gave them some uh, feedback that they think a, a more competitive game might get them better ratings. I don't think so, man. The ratings show show itself that it's still. People watch it. It doesn't matter if it's competitive or not. It's just a glorified right. pickup game. Continue doing yeah. what you're doing. And if you really want to make it competitive, then just go ahead and do something completely out of left field. Go ahead and, you know, rather than just having three pointers, go ahead and make a four point shot, a five point shot. Hell, make a half court be a 10 point shot. Whatever it is, go ahead and just go all out if you want to make it competitive. Or if you want to do what baseball did, you know, make it an East versus West. Whoever wins gets home court advantage. Whatever, just pick something, but it doesn't matter, right? If you want to make it competitive, right. I gave you some ideas to make it competitive, right? But you know, I, players, I agree. They just, want to watch their, they just want to watch their players play. That's it. I, I agree. Plus, here's the other thing, too. When you play defense, you got to get physical. I mean, you don't have to, but, I mean, there's more chance of injury. You're of guarding this. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you're guarding, so injuries, you're tangling up. That's actually when you play defense. These guys don't want to get hurt, so they're gonna play loose and happy, and I can't. And they're gonna take shots they wouldn't in a real game, you know. They're gonna they're yeah. gonna out at you. I mean, you're gonna see a little bit of the Harlem Globetrotters with some of the players in terms of how they look at the game. And uh, uh, so I I think that's overblown, but he's getting hammered for it. Uh, the commission, so uh, you yeah. know, Adam Silver, you know, yeah, I, I just think, think so. it's you silly. Know, yeah. I agree. You know, let them continue. If they really, really want to make something competitive, then what they should do is not make it about basketball. I heard an interesting take on the radio station today from one of the 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 the, the, co- the, the hosts over here in, in San Francisco, and it was a great idea. I thought it was a great idea, and I'll just throw it out there. But it was an idea where if you really want to have something competitive, well, let's just go ahead and just make it a, you know, uh, 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 multiple different types of games that are not basketball and have like, you know, Giannis versus Steph Curry play, you know, billiards or pool or have Kevin Durant play against James Harden in ping pong or, or, or foosball or darts, whatever it is, you know, and then right. make it fun like that, right? You get to see the personalities, you get to see how they really suck in other sports. So the people that are watching them, they, they, they can kind of connect with them more like, oh, crap, they suck in pool too, like I do, right? Whatever, right? It's Correct. Just, why not, right? It's just something different. So, you know, and that's what kind of they're doing with football right now. They have black football, then they have these other challenges, you know, that are, you know, kind of affiliated with football, but not really. But, you know, why not make it something like that? Make it fun. You know, but, you know, if they really want competition. No, I agree. We get them I agree, Eddie. So, I agree. Yeah. All right. So so let's talk a little bit about the game here. I'm going to toss you out some numbers here. The East versus West record shatter. Winners put up the most points in the game 73-year history. The previous mark was 196 by the West in 20. 16. This season, or, oh, I'm sorry, for those of you who aren't aware, the Eastern Conference beat the Western Conference 211 to 186. When I saw that, I'm like, that's a joke. You know, like, because there is no defense. That's just a complete joke. You know, and I and I say it in, 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 in a way that's, I don't say disrespectful, but 
that would never happen in, in a regular season. So it, it just shows the difference in the All-Star weekend, the mentality towards the game. But so the previous mark was 196 by the West in 2016. 397 total points, Eddie, destroys the record of 374. And that was set in 2017. And the people, if you notice, we're not going back for four or five years. So this has begun about four or five years ago, these high-scoring affairs. They combined 193 points, Eddie, in the first half. And and it broke the, the, the record by, by two points that was set when? Last year. So again, this is all very recent. Uh, uh, you know, the Eastern Conference madness. The East made 42 three-pointers. And Team LeBron in 2019 uh, had 35. So they kind of shattered that. Seven more three-pointers. That's, that's a lot. Uh, the East tied uh, in any half record by scoring 104 by their mission. And I'm assuming they mean by any half, any two quarters combined. You know, right. it, uh, uh, it was, you know. They uh, 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 scored 104 by intermission. The East tried 97 three-pointers. Oh, my God. Eddie, that, that, that's what, a 45% uh, shooting rate there, 40% shooting rate there, that they made it in actually making the shots. They were just – man, these guys, they were just – see, that's what I mean by having fun. These guys were just dribbling down, looking around, oh, yeah. I'm going to shoot, yeah. you know, and that's what it was. Yeah. Well, it goes to show you, like, you know, if you – you know, how good these guys are really – really are and that's why when you play True. defense they, they don't shoot as well right that's so right that, that's that, right in, in essence that showcases their abilities when they're not being guarded you're going to see what happens so that's why yeah, you that's a great that point Eddie. that's yeah. a great point because uh when i brought up the score to my uh, uh friend uh the three-point one we're gonna get that into uh, real quick their thought was, wow, look at that. The women can compete. And I'm thinking, oh, no, that's just her standing on the line shooting, you know? It's it's not somebody covering her. It's not her having right. you know? Uh, but it's funny how the woman made the lead, too. Well, see, they can compete with men. No, they can't. That's just, it's different. Okay, so shooting threes. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. So the East tried 97 three-pointers. The previous record was 90 by Team LeBron. And, and, and hat tip to uh, NBA.com. Uh, they had some great articles showing these numbers. Uh, shooting threes. The teams combined, Eddie, for 66 threes made and 168 three-points attempted. See, that's mind-boggling to me. That many three points in one game. The previous records were uh, 62 and 167 in 2019. So they kind of barely beat that. But nevertheless, they barely beat it. You know what, I, what I'm seeing here, Eddie? I'm seeing here just a pickup game. Yeah, that, that's yeah. all this was, was a pickup game. Oh, it you know? is. Uh, so it uh, is. Any thoughts on all these, these, these threes? It seems like people special. There's, there's, there's a handful of people. That's your job. Your job is to make three-pointers. Stephon Curry is one of those type of players. You know, you have permission. Any three-pointers, you take it. It seems like this is the type of game where everybody wants to show the world, I can throw I can shoot up a three-pointer. So what's your thought on uh, – uh, 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 well, let me ask you the question in a row. What's your thoughts on this being so high scoring? What are your pros on it? And since it's an all-star game, do you actually have any cons to this? You know, obviously there's somebody not there's somebody complaining about the way that this all-star game is going. Um, you know, with no defense being played, a bunch of offense, and right. you know, no resistance at all. And these guys are just doing a glorified pickup game. Heck, man. I mean, 
who cares, like I said, about it being competitive? They just want to see right. the players do what they do, you know? And like I said, if right. you really, really want to make it real fun, shit, go ahead and throw out, you know, five-pointers, six-pointers, seven-pointers, ten-pointers, whatever, man. Let, let, then it'll be interesting, right? <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a game know, for fun, for no, enjoyment. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no problem. I have no problem with the way it's been going. Is it fun to watch? Not really. After a while, you go, eh, whatever. But you still watch because you want to see somebody make, like, a, ridic- a ridiculous dunk, a ridiculous shot, and it's because you know it's going to happen, right? And that's all that people right. care about watching. They don't care about who wins. They just want to see these guys play. That's it. Okay. So my other question to you, though, is not as friendly. This is happening in the regular season. We've seen some high-scoring affairs that have come out of – I don't say come out of nowhere, but, I mean, the average fan was like, whoa. This player just threw up 50 points, 70 points. And then it happened during multiple games with some of these teams. Uh, as an analogy, you today's quarterback will never be the GOATs to me because the rules have hindered defenses. Defenses have their hands tied. It seems yeah. to me that the same thing's happening in the NBA. They don't they don't want strong defense. They want high scoring affairs, but it seems to be getting out of hand in certain ways. Uh uh, 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 are rule changes needed uh, uh, to bring back a little bit of defense, or does the NBA doesn't really care about defense if they're okay with these high-scoring affairs, thinking it's better for the game? That's a good question, uh, Guillermo. Just because I think, you know, when when people watch basketball, they like scoring, and when they watch any sport, they like scoring. I mean, part of the reason why I think Americans, I mean, I think I think they're starting to like it more. But the reason why they historically didn't really like soccer that much is because there's that much scoring in it, right? Um, they still don't. And, 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 <laughs> that again? I said, they, they still don't. At the adult level, they don't. No, kids are playing enough. soccer. Yeah, no, soccer's the number two sport for kids, but it's expensive. You know, you have to maintain and build all those fields. So by junior high or high school, they stop it, and adults have never gained interest. But you're, I get your point. I'm just, I'm, we're Latinos. I'm just yeah, my, my whole Soccer point is, is long you know, and boring. <laughs> people like seeing scoring, right? So right, correct. I think the NBA, the NBA, I, I think it's, they're okay with, the way it's going because you know their ratings are still good but it's when it comes down to the playoffs you know uh, we'll see I, I, because the playoff playoff uh, uh basketball is ba- very different you know uh, people are seeing tendencies from teams studying the tendencies figuring out how to stop certain you know plays certain players it's different but you know if it continues and they're getting a lot of complaints and they're seeing their ratings fall then yeah then the word then the word the nba will go ahead and make a change but until then, I think they, they, don't, they don't have an issue with it. Gotcha. Okay. So my final question before we move on from the All-Star game, per se, and into the three-point contest. There were two of them. Uh, who were you rooting for, Eddie? I would imagine the West. Oh, man. My, ho- my, 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 my hometown uh, player, man, Steph Curry. But I, although I, de- I definitely wanted Ionescu to do well, which she did. Um, oh, I, she did I, I beyond thought, well. She did really well, man. And I, I actually... She she had Curry on the ropes a little bit, honestly. Uh, and, oh, she and, and did. She came out yeah, hot. And Eddie. Yeah, and and you know what? I, I, I'm cl- what they should do. I think for next time is they probably should put the women's three point uh, line for her, and then keep the NBA three point line for the the male. You know, for the in in, in this competition. Then you can you see know what who really is. Mm-hmm. 
the best in their league. You're absolutely right. And that's what Kenny Smith was saying, and they eviscerated him for it. I, 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 people who know basketball understood what he was talking about. It's kind of like golf. You know, you got the yeah. women's tee and the men's tee, you know. But yeah. that said, I disagree with Kenny Smith because this is just a fun event. You know, so and to me, this is an advantage for the women to show that they can compete with the men. Absolutely. And, they, you know, and so I thought there was more pressure on Curry. She has no pressure. Was. She's the woman. Absolutely She's not expected to do as well. And that's what Absolutely. makes it so exciting. Because as a man, you're like, dude, what are you doing? Step, step. Curry, what the hell are you doing, man? You know, as a man, that's how you're looking at it. Here's this upstart woman. And I'm just being honest, folks. It doesn't that that we want to see him hammer the, the chick, but you just innately, it's like when I was in the States, I'd be rooting for my uh, Panamanian boxer because they were always the underdogs. When I was in Panama, I would root for the American boxer who'd always lose Roberto Duran just because they were the underdog. I mean, we root for things for various reasons, but there's an innateness in all of us gender-wise where when it's a man versus woman, the men would tend to root for the man, the, the woman for the uh, woman. And this is a type of contests where it truly is equal because three-point shooting is technical you know yes. you gotta yes. have good form and she proved that she she's as good as curry in my eyes at the male was it was, was it the men's three-point line they did it at yeah they both did it at the, from yeah. the male three-point line so so kudos uh, for I, her absolutely she showed out and the thing is is that you know, they have this other uh, uh, woman player come, you know, who's in the college ranks, uh, Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark, who, yeah. Know, just broke the uh, the NCAA record for uh, all-time scoring for women and is about mm -hmm. to probably pass up all-time scoring for uh, for men as well. So she could be no, the no, no, no. all-time. Uh, uh, not for men. That, no, no, no. That's Pete Maravich. Yeah, no, Pete, that's what I'm saying. She could pass up Pete Maravich is what I'm saying. Yeah, she's got a thousand points to go, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She still could do it, man. So you never yeah. know, right? So uh, what's yeah, that's true. That my whole point in bringing her up is that you have another sharpshooter coming into the NBA, uh, WNBA possibly next year, and the next next uh, year's All Star game is going to be in San Francisco, where the Golden State Warriors play. And man, why not make it you know uh, a team uh, event where you have two females versus two males, uh, and then they have the three point you know lines for each of the leagues you know where they're really supposed to be shooting from, right? And maybe even make it right. even more like you maybe make it a horse game. You know, a horse game, and maybe a, a, a how many uh, free throws are made in a row. You know, they whatever it is, right? They can do a bunch of different right. events, and I think that'd be a platform that a lot of people would enjoy. Uh, no, you're right. Yeah, people you're enjoy right. this platform, so it got a lot of ratings. So if you bring Caitlin Clark and you bring Ionescu again, two of the probably best shooters the the WNBA will probably ever see until you know, and somebody else surpasses them, then you have the greatest shooter of all time, Steph Curry, who probably would bring. Probably bring Clay Thompson, honestly. Although he probably should bring Trey Young, but he probably bring Clay Thompson because that's his teammate, and they they would be like because it's in San Francisco, and they'll have that be an event. That would be fun. I think that would knock out the ratings big time. No, you're right, Eddie. At its peak, that's when the ratings were highest on Saturday night for the All Star Weekend. You're absolutely yeah. correct, and 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 good good it for the, the ladies in. Yeah, it brought the ladies because in, everybody right? has said this. Everybody has said this in terms of uh, expert analysts, people who play the game. Uh, they're like, when you look at the women's game, you see clear fundamentals. You see great fundamentals because they have to use fundamentals to be able to maximize their own skills. With the NBA, these players 
I mean, they don't, they toss fundamentals out the window at times for their talent to take over. That's why you see so many walks, so many bombing the ball, and why rest no longer uh, call, call the game as it should be called. Uh, and I think that's eventually going to change too. But my point being is this uh, exemplifies some of the worst skills in terms of males using their talent versus fundamentals and bringing the best out of fundamentals from the ladies to show us them. And you're right. I think we get us some exciting drama with this. And I think it's even more exciting than what used to be the most exciting part of the NBA All-Star Weekend. And that was the slam dunk contest. Andy, remember the first few, the first three to five years? Uh, uh, I mean, that was the rage, All-Star Weekend. That's all you saw because it was still so new. But you can only do so many dunks so many ways before it got old. Right. And I think the last time I cared was, I think it was Muggsy Bogues won it or, or competed in it. Yep. I, uh, and Muggsy Bogues. Spud Webb. okay. Yeah, and those guys were like two feet tall. You know? And, of course, I'm exaggerating. But they're like five-something. I mean, they were, they're were they like outliers. So that was the last time it was exciting. And this time it was – I'm bringing it up just because it's part of the All-Star Weekend. I didn't care about it. It's, it's, I've seen these dunks over and over. However, we got to give the person his due. The winner was Mac McClung. He missed some dunks, but one with what I read was a bobble. And then he took both hands off the ball. Then he regained contact and, and, and finished it a la Mortal Kombat. Like, finish it. That's how dominant he finished it. And uh, so God bless him. Uh, uh, but the big storyline was that it was complaining about the judges favoring Jalen Brown. You were there. You saw it. Talk to me, brother. Talk to me. What was the deal here? You know, it was it was pretty uh, – uh, to me, it was apparent that they were definitely leaning uh, towards him uh, unfairly, in my opinion. It was it was pretty obvious, in my opinion, that they were definitely showing some favoritism to Jalen Brown, you know, because uh, he was doing some dunks that some of the other guys were doing that, you know, honestly weren't as, you know, flashy – as the other guys, but yet he was getting more of the points. And that's what you were hearing from the crowd is that they were seeing blatant, you know, favoritism uh, that, you know, and that's why you're, you're hearing these boos. And then, you know, uh, uh, Mac McClung, he, he did a couple of dunks that were better, a lot better than Jalen Brown, but then Jalen Brown got better scores. It was kind of a hot mess, honestly. Uh, but in the end, the guy who deserved to win won it. Uh, he didn't do as well this year as he did last year because if you saw his dunks last year, they were ridiculous. I don't know if you've seen him, William, but you got to check him out. His dunks from last year were ridiculous. Um, so, you know, I, I think what they should do is bring back the last four the slam dunk contest winners of the last four All-Star games, you know, uh, taking away some of the, the, the repeat guys. But do that and just – Bring back some of the star power, you know. Jalen Brown is probably one of the main. The the, the he's an All NBA player, right? He's an All Star. He's an right. All NBA All Star player, and I'm glad he did that because a lot of these guys don't want to do it because they're embarrassed. You know, they don't want to be showing up by somebody else. They have too much pride. No, I this get guy that. Brought, you know, I get that. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think you know, hopefully he's you know uh, paved the way for other guys to do it because that's what I think this. Uh, the slam dunk contest needs it needs an infusion of star power uh and guys you know like a Jalen brown you know or maybe just bring back like i said the suggestion of bringing back you know the, the last four winners of the, of the slam dunk contest and, and have them compete you know and, and gotcha and, uh, no it, it makes sense Eddie. 
Eddie, what you're talking about is uh, to the audience. So what happens is you get a room of uh, non-basketball people. Man, what can we do to get this exciting, more exciting? Eddie's idea should be talked about when they start talking about events because you're maximizing uh, an old, tired event. Look, I'm sorry. Dunks are exciting. But we've seen every version of a dunk possible. So the the dunk contest doesn't have the same awe for us as it used to when it first started. And Eddie's idea is a phenomenal one because you're bringing in the past chance. You're bringing in the big names, yeah. the guys who dominated yeah. it, you know, yeah. the A-teamers. And that would uh, – because I didn't even care about it this year, uh, you know. Uh, so it's 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 – it's something that they have to keep working on. And I think, Eddie, you have a phenomenal idea there. So before well, we wrap the show, another, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll give you one more idea since we're on that path. If the NBA doesn't want to bring back their star players, and I get it because then there's injury potential, right, for these star players right. to come and do something that's meaningless to, you know, the team that they're playing for. But another idea throughout in the past podcast is I don't know if you've seen any of these YouTube dunkers, but, my, man, why not just have it like, you know, an NBA, you know, uh, a player, let's say uh, the, the all-star uh, players, you know, they get to go ac- across the country and they recruit one guy, you know, to represent their, you know, their, 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 the West or the East. And the other guys, they bring like other, you know, four or five guys across the country that are these dunkers. And then they go ahead and compete against each other. You know, even these are hand selected by these NBA all-star guys, right? They're the ones who recruited these guys to come do it. And then, you'll get more of the Mac McClung's, these unknown guys that are just jump out of the freaking, you know, out of the gym. There's this guy that, right. uh, I'm going to give you a name. Uh, uh, I think his name is uh, Jordan Kil- Kilcan. I forgot. His- I'll give you the name, but this guy's ridiculous. He jumps over cars. He's a white guy with blue hair, and he jumps over cars and does reverse dunks. It's crazy. you got to see this guy. So there's a lot of guys like that across the world. Why not just do something like that, Right. No, I agree, Eddie. I agree. What you're talking about is trying to reinstill life into something that's dying. Because I don't know what anybody says. The slam dunk it doesn't have the prestige it had at one time. Uh, before yeah. we end the podcast, so Mr. Aparicio, it I, it didn't occur to me until I saw uh, Adam Silver talk about it. The, the the G League is the G League dead is my title, and Silver made a great point because of NIL in the college ranks now. Uh, even an average uh, 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 kid can go and make more money in the college ranks than he'll ever make in the NBA because he'll never make it to the NBA. However, for kids who feel they're good enough for the NBA but just need a couple of years of seasoning or year seasoning and they don't want to go to college, that now seems to be off the table because now they can go to college and make money. So is is uh, will young kids now opt for college? And a payday versus the NBA's development league is the G League dead. You know, you can never have enough development in the leagues. But I think this is going to set the NBA back a little bit in terms of, of quality talent entering the league and hitting the ground running. What are your thoughts? Hmm. I, I, I don't. I, I uh, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Is it Chet Holmgren a product? of the G League because he was so small, so skinny. Uh, 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 he may not be the best example. No, he wasn't. No, he's not. No, so he, I thought was he drafted. was. A... No, he, he got, he was, he was drafted. A, a, a product of the G League and probably, probably the most known guy who's actually made it is probably Jordan Poole. Jordan okay, Poole gotcha. Was... So I, I'm looking at it the wrong way then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but, but, you know, they, they have, 
the G, I, I think the G League is a good idea. Um, I, I just think the, you know, yeah, potentially this, uh, you know, the NCAA with the name, image, and likeness, you know, you know, people can make a lot of money now in, in the college ranks, but, you know, they have to have a name. They have to be good in order to make a lot of money. And for those who are on the borderline, they can always go to the to, to the G League and get into the NBA too. I mean, a lot of these guys, they just want to get into the NBA whichever way possible. And this is just another avenue for them to be able to get there. So I don't think the G League is dead. I think it's just another option for people to pursue. Gotcha. Well, I know most kids are going to pursue the money because there's going to be some kids there who realize I may not even make it to the NBA. So why not? eat up the money now. But like I said, you can't have enough uh, li- uh, developmental uh, uh, leagues uh, because uh, basketball is a brutal sport. I mean, by that, I mean, it's just a long season. So having your technique developed in that so you don't get beat up early on in your career, I think is extremely important. Uh, well, next week, Eddie, I want to get your opinions again on the Hall of Fame. There's a, uh, uh, especially with who's deserving who didn't make it? I've already got the notes set up. We just don't have enough time in this episode, my friends, to get to it. But I think the end of the All-Star game was a success for the NBA. I uh, uh, think I agree with you. The, the, the Jacques Bond firing, uh, the, that ownership and management is just on a completely uh, 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 fantasy uh, playing, they remind me of libertarians. They, 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 there's this utopian fantasy libertarians live in because humans have to be perfect for libertarianism to work. Uh, this this owner is living in his own fantasy of what he thinks the Brooklyn Nets are versus what they really are. And one to ten before we leave, Eddie, give me a grade on the All Star game from one to ten. The All Star weekend, the events, everything. What would you rate it as this year? Because of the Steph Curry, Sabrina Ionescu challenge, I'd say about an eight. If that wasn't there, I would say it's probably a seven. There you go, brother. I think that three-point, that's what made it. I think it's one of those fun things of the male versus female, that, that that's an actually fair contest, and Correct. women have a shot. So I just don't want to be, I'm sorry, I would not want to be the first male that loses to a female in a three-point contest. It's going to happen, people. It almost it's happened. It's going to man. happen. It almost it happened. And I thought it would have been great. Out. He had to shoot nine out of his last ten shots to beat her. That's and you know why I thought it would have been great? I thought it would have been great because Stephon Curry. Is it Stephon or Stephen Stephen. Curry? Stephen. Stephen. Stephen Curry. Okay. So I, guess, I think Stephen Curry losing would have been great because he's the type of player – who would have laughed and enjoyed it as much as totally everybody would've. else? He totally you know? would. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, uh, and uh, if LeBron James had lost, he'd probably be throwing temper tantrums still today. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I'm not saying LeBron's a bad guy. It's just the difference in personality makeup. Yeah. Sure. And those, sure. like Michael Jordan would have been a uh, 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 livid, pissed off. Now, Dennis Rodman would never be in that contest, but a Dennis Rodman personality would have loved it if he lost too, because they just love attention. So, yeah. so hopefully the right. Mayo can lose and make it an even bigger event and makes everybody happy. And with that said, Eddie, I'm with you on the Niners. I feel your pain. Uh, being a Brock Purdy supporter and fan now this year, uh, I was hoping for them to win. Uh, it's still too early for me to sit there and say that Patrick Mahomes is the GOAT just because we got seven rings to three rings, you know. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes, there's no denying uh, he makes Andy Reid look better than what Andy Reid is. And Andy Reid's a great head coach. But Andy Reid had no Super Bowl, so he got Patrick Mahomes. 
You know, in fact, he couldn't even sniff a Super Bowl. He made it to, I want to say, two Super Bowls, but I want to say one Super Bowl. And that was, I want to say two, but I know for sure one Super Bowl, but he lost either one or both of them. And he didn't win Super Bowl to Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not saying that to knock on Andy Reid. I'm saying that to show how great Patrick Mahomes is. But I feel your pain. And 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 got a lot of basketball to talk next week. And my friends, you can find this podcast and our political podcast, our entertainment podcast on Grumblings Media. You can find Eddie and myself on Rumble and YouTube under the Grumblings Media uh, profile name with our show points on the board here. You can find us on your traditional podcast outlets, Spotify, Pandora, Apple, and Google. Eddie, my friend, until next week, you take care of yourself. And for everybody, and for Eddie, this is William Del Pilar, and this is Points on the Board. We bid you adieu. Good night, Guillermo. See you, everyone.